Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist. But more importantly, I'm just a mum and a person trying to figure out what it means to have a genuinely happy life so that I can show my kids how to do the same. In today's short episode, I want to talk about one of the key goals of this podcast, which is to help us weather the tough stuff. And so I want to talk about the feelings that go with the first Christmas when you lose someone you love. As you know, my work is all about helping people who are numbing out emotions, often with food or booze or shopping or sex or whatever pleasurable activities they can to just not feel the emotions that they struggle to feel. But what we also know is that our inability to feel those emotions is precisely what gets in the way of our happiness and also holds us back in so many ways. It holds us back in our ability to achieve the goals we want to achieve, to have the relationships that are really meaningful and help us feel connected, to love ourselves and accept ourselves and to feel good in our own skin. All of those things go by the wayside along with health, mental health, physical health, all of that can go when we're in a situation where we can't productively feel our emotions. So I was inspired to record this podcast this morning when I was listening to Radio 2 as I was washing the breakfast dishes and a song came on by Tom Walker. It's called For Those Who Can't Be Here and Tom Walker lost his grandfather this year and so this is going to be the first Christmas without him and the song is all about that and it got me thinking about the first Christmas without my dad which was in 1990, which is a long time ago. I was 15 at the time. And I remember the very strange mix of emotions. And it got me thinking about all the things I've learned about emotions since then, and all the things that I think potentially could help if you are experiencing really difficult emotions, a really sad time, particularly at this time of the year when the world around you is celebrating. And that can feel really lonely and disconnecting and really confusing. And so what I wanted to talk about is weathering the tough stuff at Christmas and what we need to know about emotions, what we need to understand about some of the mechanics about how they work. Now, I've recorded a few episodes about emotions in the past, and I'll put some links to those in the show notes page. But this episode, I think, is more a kind of personal reflection, perhaps some of the things that I've learned that I'd love to tell that 15-year-old me that maybe would help her make sense of a really difficult time. And so I thought I would record that in the hope that perhaps for some of you, if you're going through it, that it helps you. So let's dive in. So if you've listened to any of the previous episodes about emotions, you'll have heard me talk about the fact that all emotions have a purpose. There are no positive and negative emotions. And I think if I could go back in time, that's the first thing that I would tell the 15-year-old me. Because so much of what made that first Christmas really difficult was the feelings of guilt of wanting to be excited and then feeling bad about being excited because I shouldn't be excited because my dad's died. So I ended up in this kind of war with myself of wanting to be excited, but then thinking, no, I shouldn't be excited. So then I'd feel guilty 
And then that guilt would sort of give way and I'd allow the sadness to come again. And then I'd feel like, okay, right, this is what I'm supposed to feel. So I'm going to feel sad. But then I'd be like, no, fuck this. And I'd get really resentful because Christmas was my favorite time of year and I really wanted to enjoy it. So then I'd get this real sense of anger and shame associated with the feelings of enjoyment. And the whole thing, this whole mix got created that was really, really hard to manage. But here's the thing that I didn't understand about any of those emotions. Part one is that emotions operate on something of a timeline. So this is kind of hard to explain. Go with me. Um, If you think about the sadness that I was experiencing, the sadness was associated with the loss of my dad. Now that had happened in the June of that year. So it was six months old, that emotion. So for us, what had happened was uh, my parents were involved in a car accident. My dad died in the operating theater as the doctors tried to save him afterwards. And so that was the kind of big catastrophic event for us, an event that almost stopped time, if you like. That event that kept calling our attention back, you know, this person is gone now. And so it sort of draws us into the past, the memory of my dad and, you know, this event, he would have been here, he would have done this, he would have said this, he would be sitting over there, he would have found that funny, he would have found this annoying. Like all of those little things are associated with going into the past, to the memories of a person, and then drawing that into the future, or drawing that into the present, should I say. But the people around me, aside from my family members who were also experiencing that sadness, my peer group and their families and the people, you know, in the wider community hadn't experienced that same catastrophic loss that had locked them in an event that was six months old. They were in the now. So they were looking at and experiencing the world on a completely different timeline to me. They were applying meaning in different ways. So they were experiencing different emotions. And so I felt completely lonely and isolated because I was locked into a different timeline to them. And I I know that kind of does sound quite woo-woo, but when you think about your emotions, what you will notice is that they are always past, present, or future anchored. There's something about them that's taking you backwards to an event that stopped time for you. It's taking you backwards to something that was big in your life. Be that something that's associated with happy feelings or something that's associated with sad feelings. It's it's anchored somewhere in the past. By the same token, there are emotions that you experience because you are able to be completely present in this moment and enjoy what's happening right now. And that's part of where the confusion came from for me is that when the anchor would temporarily release and I would come into the present and think about Christmas and be with my friends and not be associated with anything related to my dad, I was able to experience excitement. But then that anchor would drop again and I'd go back into the past and be like, oh God, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this happy. I shouldn't be laughing. But that's because I was locking back into something that was related to a different timeline, related to a different moment of my life. And then I would judge myself and that's what was creating that war. 
By the same token, your emotions can be related to the future. So when you experience things like worry or anxiety, those are often related to future situations. Sometimes excitement and very enjoyable, positive emotions are also related to something that you are anchored to in the future, something you're looking forward to, something you're expecting. So the thing that kind of helps me now when I feel that sense of disconnection or loneliness is to recognize where my anchors are. Am I anchored to the past? Am I anchored to the future? Am I here and now? And what's happening to the people around me? Because that's what's creating the disconnection. We're in different spaces in our minds that's taking us to somewhere else. And when big stuff happens, really traumatic, difficult things those moments tend to have much heavier anchors to the past. So we tend to stay locked to them, attached to them for much longer. For some of us, we can stay tethered to them for years, but often the thing that keeps us tethered and keeps us anchored to those things is the inability to, or unwillingness to, feel, really feel those really tough emotions. So often we will drown them out. We'll drink more, eat more, distract ourselves with shopping or other activities that just in the moment make us feel a little bit better. And notice what that's doing is it's bringing you away from the anchor into the now so that you can release that feeling. But as soon as you stop doing the pleasurable activity and the anchor drops again, you're right back where you started. And often the anchor just becomes heavier and heavier because you haven't been able to release it. Now, there's a lot more to say about all of this, but I just want to talk for a little bit about the releasing of these feelings, the feeling of these feelings, and then the releasing of these feelings. And then I'll leave it there for this episode. So when these feelings of grief and loss and sadness are really, really fresh. Letting them go is much more difficult. And for many, it's probably kind of inappropriate. Like, they they need to be there for a while. And the thing that I wish I had known when I was 15 is that sadness and grief and loss are such beautiful emotions. I think we kind of, we associate them with something bad. You know, we say things like, nobody should ever have to go through this. But it's a natural part of life, this kind of dissolving of things that we really thought were forever things that we would have never thought of as fallible, things that we expected to be there, to stay forever, and suddenly are gone. And I think when we can comfortably come face to face with the fragility of this life and this world, and that we can almost see how beautiful and amazing that makes us and everything around us because at any moment it could go. That there's such an appreciation that waits behind that sadness. There's such a gratitude because when we go into that feeling 
and realize quite how much of a sense of loss we feel, we have to realize that the reason we feel that loss is because we had something so special to start with. And that that sense of loss and that sense of sadness is coming from really a place of love. If we didn't love that person, if that person or maybe an animal wasn't so important to us, we wouldn't be feeling the way we're feeling. And so we, for a period of time, had a really important gift. And the ability to begin to heal and to move through those difficult emotions is to really feel what they're attached to. The sadness may come from such a deep love for that person and such a deep sense of loss. But when it's attached like that, when you are able to go through the sadness, what you find behind it is love, appreciation, gratitude. And those feelings are often what is left when you are able to really healthily move through the sadness. And sometimes for many people, we need help with that, the help of a therapist or a grief counselor or a coach or somebody who can help you navigate your way through that pain. But what is beyond it is really a lovely sense of something important and something that was really vital a vital part of your life and a vital part of your relationships and the things you've learned about yourself and all the things that you get to take forward with you into the future from your relationship with that person. Sometimes the sadness comes from a sense of regret. It comes from feelings that you should have done something, you should have said something, you should have given them more time and you should have this, should have that. But again, those feelings are anchored to the past. And so the ability to move through the sadness in this case, when it's attached to feelings of guilt and remorse, maybe shame and regret, those things require us to feel them and take the lessons from those things into the future, to take those lessons productively so that we can make our relationships with ourselves and our, our loved ones, our remaining loved ones, as positive and meaningful as possible. And so when we're ready to move through the sadness in that case, we do so from a place of learning, from a place of acceptance of what has gone before and of working out what those lessons mean for us now with the relationships that are meaningful for us today. And so again, it takes us from that anchor of the past into using the lessons that are available to us to make changes and live in a way that allows us to look back at the life of that person and know that they made a difference. They made a difference to the quality of the relationships we have today because we learned from the mistakes we made 
in those relationships. But if we fight those feelings, we try and drown them out, we never learn the lessons. And so we risk making the same mistake multiple times. And that makes those feelings even more difficult to manage. So I'm aware that that is kind of a philosophical idea and not necessarily particularly practical because you're like, well, you know, how do I move through an emotion? What are you talking about? And to be fair, it isn't a straightforward move through an emotion. Um, But here are some things that you can do that can help. Number one, like I said already, pay attention to the timeline. Notice that your emotions can jump around from one second to another based on where your attention is. When your attention goes to the past, to the person who you've lost, that sadness will rise again, along with potentially those feelings of regret or feelings of love or whatever else is attached to them. If you simply notice them, allow them to be, find the thing they're attached to, the thing that's calling you, the thing that is trying to get your attention, and you give it your attention, the feeling will pass in a healthy amount of time. The feeling will go when everything that you need to extract from it has been extracted. If you don't feel ready for that, if you don't feel ready to feel those emotions so deeply, to do the kind of self-reflective work that goes with that, then a healthy way to manage the situation is to bring your attention to the here and now. To do that through mindfulness practices or meditation, to sit quietly and just be aware of your body. Notice your feet on the floor, notice the feelings of blood kind of moving in your hands, that kind of um, tingling sensation that you get in your fingertips. Pay attention to your breath. Pay attention to the feelings of the breath going into your nose, coming out of your mouth. And just anchor yourself in now. Being outside is very helpful too and really cathartic. So if there's green space around you, that is really a kind of lovely way to bring yourself into the present and to anchor yourself in now and just to allow yourself to reach a point of peace and neutrality and calm. So often at Christmas time, there's a lot of eating happening and there's a lot of noise and a lot of chaos. But even if you can step outside for five or 10 minutes and just be by yourself quietly, that can also be a really nice way just to uh, decompress and to recenter yourself and to re-anchor yourself. Things not to do, not as a coping strategy or not as a means of numbing out the emotion, are excessive drinking, excessive eating, excessive anything really that is designed to stop you feeling. The healthier way to manage the tough stuff is to feel it. As uh, my mentor says, you need to feel it to heal it. So everything that you shut away and don't feel today gets bigger and comes back for you tomorrow. So you can put it off and you can put it off and you can put it off, but at some point you are going to have to feel it. And there's no reason it can't be now. If you have lost somebody this year, my absolute sincere condolences and my heart really goes out to you because this year will be hard. In fact, this time of year has the capacity to be hard 
for as long as you hold that person in your heart. So potentially for the rest of your Christmases, you will feel that missing person. But what I hope will happen for you is the same as what's happened for me, which is that the love that lies behind the sadness is eventually what surfaces. And it's this kind of lovely bittersweetness of memory and imagining and enjoying thinking about the person that really brings them back to you just for a moment. And if you are struggling, please do reach out, even if it's not to work with me as your coach, but just to offload or to have somebody who can listen. It's always important for us to have people who can do that for us. And if you don't have someone close to you who can, then do reach out. You can get hold of me via the website, bighappylife.co.uk. You can email me, natalie at bighappylife.co.uk. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Big Happy Life. For now, though, I wish you the absolute best this holiday season. And as always, thanks for listening. 